0: Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. I'm your host, Thomas K. Thomas. Today, we are going to discuss the state of India's telecom sector. Telecom networks have become the center of our digital future. The global crisis due to the COVID virus has only re-emphasized the importance of the internet and communication tools. Millions have been able to buy essential commodities, do financial transactions, and work from home only because of online platforms. The recent 5G spectrum auction marks another turning point for India's telecom market. In addition to improving mobile broadband, 5G technology will enable delivery of critical services such as telesurgery and internet of things over a mobile network. However, there are still some issues of concern. For example, the market is now down to just two operators. Indian telecom sector has always been highly competitive where consumers have enjoyed cheap tariffs. This is also changing with operators increasing tariffs almost by 30 to 40%. Today with me, I have Sanjay Kapoor, the former CEO of Airtel. He has deep insights into the sector, having been closely associated as the Chief Executive Officer of Airtel. And more recently, he's been associated with some global entities as well. So thank you and welcome to the podcast, Sanjay. Thank you for having me over, Thomas. Uh, Sanjay, if I remember, uh, you know, in the early 1990s, uh, on a trip to Japan, uh, you know, the then uh, telecom minister, Sukram, saw his Japanese shopper carrying a mobile phone in his pocket. And when he came back, uh, you know, at a public audience, uh, he said that everybody in India will have a mobile phone in their pockets. And his opinion was, at that point in time, met with skepticism, as mobile phones sounded like a far-fetched idea for an Indian consumer base that was largely agrarian, with no means to afford to pay for the service at 16 bucks a minute, and in addition to buying expensive mobile handsets. 27 years later, the mobile phone telephone revolution has had a profound impact, and we all know that, you know, today nobody can do anything without a mobile phone, or at least a broadband connection. Right, so let me just start off this conversation, uh, you know, by taking you back to the time when you were the CEO of Airtel, and you know some of the conversation we used to have at that point in time were very different compared to what's going on right now. So, in your assessment, uh, has the sector changed for the better or for the worse? Great. Um, your question is very
1: permanent, but my answer to that is that uh, the telecom sector is a sector which has been in permanent white waters. Better or worse is just a measure of the glass half full or glass half empty. The beauty of this sector is that it has never faced a demand issue at no point in its life cycle. And with data, the appetite of consumer seems to be never ending. So I think this is a beauty. There are hardly any industries in the world which don't have to really fend for the consumer demand. But on the other side, the not so good part of the business has been that the technology cycles are shortening. And the capital cycles are increasing, thus right. increasing the pressure to amortize your investments before the next capital cycle hits you. There are more ecosystem players now than ever were in this business who all want a share of the telecom pie and have been feeding on the creamy layer of the non-access revenues and profitability of telecom. So I think if you, in a balanced, uh, see it, there are a lot of good factors as it and there are challenges as it with this industry as well
0: right so that's a good overview and uh, we can probably drill down to some of these aspects so i want to start with uh, from the consumer's uh, point of view so uh, you know we now have good data speeds there used to be time when you know i used to travel to the us and some of the other asian countries like korea and japan and i used to envy them that you know why as an indian i can't get those services we didn't have i mean we were still at 212 kbps and things like that now at least you know we have good data speeds uh, at least in the urban centers, uh, but you know, there is still this niggling issues related to quality of service, right? I mean, we have moved from 2G to 5G, but you know, at the end of the day, something as basic as, can I make a call to you? Am I confident of making that call to you? I'm not, I know, I'm not sure, right? I mean, this the network is continues to be patchy. Uh, so how do we deal with something so basic as that, even as we are talking about, high data speeds you know apps and services and things like that so you know uh,
1: this bothers me as a consumer as much as probably it bothers you or any other consumer
0: in my mind
1: uh, the cheap prices and good customer experience are completely at loggerheads secondly access alone does not promise or does not have the capability of promising a good customer experience it is one of the many variables that come together to offer you a good customer experience. The devices, the access, the content, the storage, the digital applications, security, they all need to come together for an optimal customer experience. On a radio network, you know, with so many users, and if too many of them are accessing high bandwidth service simultaneously, the quality will bound to suffer. That's the nature of physics that gets involved uh, in in a mobile network compared to right. a fixed-line network, which is dedicated to you. While I say uh, that things have improved in India, and I agree with you, I think a lot is desired in India around the in-building coverage. Unlike voice, right. 80% of data gets consumed indoors. And our resources indoors uh, from a spectrum perspective, which is the lack of one gigahertz and below spectrum, which is not available in plenty, non-fibered backhaul, um, and the share availability of the number of towers to offer you that experience is missing. You take right. China, for example, China has a few million sites and growing at a very fast pace, even for 5G. In India, we have roughly 250k sites, give or take, per operator, as we uh, read it in, in various publications. Now, we definitely, uh, compared to China, uh, you know, we may not have a, a as large a geography, uh, but in terms of population density, in terms of the size of the country, I think we deserve a lot stronger network to permeate indoors. And I think that's that's lacking. So I think it's a combination of the resources, the money being put, and the pricing that prevails in the market. I think all three are not enabling a great contemporary experience, which is globally competitive.
0: Right. So let's talk about the uh, finances required to set up a network that will enable top quality service. And in this case, as we speak, there are just two operators left in the market. The other two, which is Vodafone ID and BSNL, are practically struggling for survival. Uh, So with just two operators, is this uh, a matter of concern in the long term? Uh, Or, you know, when when you were CEO and all the way till 2014, 15, we used to have at least half a dozen players in each circle. So would you say that it's good to have two strong operators who can put in all the resources and, you know, address these issues, which, which you spoke about so that consumers at the end of the day can get good quality service. Or do you think, you know, having, uh, you know, less of, I mean, it's no point having say half a dozen players and and they continue to struggle then nobody benefits in that case.
1: Yes. I think uh, I have been uh, fortunate to see the industry evolve from a duopoly uh, to a perfect competition, to an oligopoly before that, then to a perfect competition, then back to uh, an oligopoly. And what is very fast changing uh, uh, across the globe is that the established structure of oligopoly is making it difficult for the third and the fourth operators uh, to make money out of this industry. And this is almost becoming true in all parts of the world. Where things stand with VIL and BSNL and MTNL, I don't think they stand much chance versus Jio and Airtel to either invest or be competitive with them. Therefore, though on paper we have a oligopoly, but I think in practicality, there are two large players who distant themselves from everybody else. Two bleeding uh, operators looking for government support to stand on their own feet appears unsustainable to me completely. While from a customer and ecosystem perspective, an oligopoly is an ideal structure. However, from a sheer economics perspective, given our current tariffs, cost of spectrum, investment required to make new technologies work, duopoly seems to be the road ahead. Even if the other two survivors hypothetically exist, their survival will be only academic in nature, according to me. Therefore, I think uh, two operators are coming to us uh, by shared forces of economics and viability and sustainability going forward. It is not in the interest of either the governments or other stakeholders in the industry or the consumer uh, primarily to, to have an, a duopoly. I think they'd all be happier with, with, a, with an oligopoly, but it's unfortunate that you know, it looks like a duopoly from now.
0: So then would you say that uh, uh, an operator like Vodafone Idea, which is trying to float, uh, you know, they're trying to look for fresh funding, they're in talks with investors and banks, Government has also agreed to pick up some 33% stake for uh, 16,000 crore, uh, you know, dues. Uh, so all of these efforts that they are doing at this point in time, and let's say if, if they manage to get something, some funding this year, is it too late for them to even catch up with the kind of investments and, uh, you know, focus that Airtel and Jio are driving on ground?
1: You know, I don't believe in mincing words here. I think it is uh, too late, too little. You know, VIL has a huge outstanding with the government and some of the banks and vendors as well, you know, and just the interest portion of it when when converted, uh, you know, actually takes away 33% of the equity value of the company. They have a huge catch up to play on 4G. They have not even started their endeavor on 5G as yet. Um, There are tens of billions in what they need to compete uh, with other two operators that they'll require to invest in the business going forward. So according to me, no matter who comes in and puts in uh, money at this stage, and if it's small amount of money, then it's uh, good money chasing bad money. And there seems to be no business case for somebody to come and invest a large amount of money. Uh, their customers are consistently exiting. Uh, their ability to attract talent and partners with their in- is becoming increasingly tough for them. And this is, to me, a deep-pocketed play and has no room for also ran type of players. And I think VIL now, given its situation, seems to be an also ran.
0: So, one of the other things that you uh, spoke about is the issue about uh, the ability for operators to uh, collect tariffs uh, and a tariffs agent which is viable and which makes them enough margins. Uh, so, I remember this conversation which we had several years ago, and you gave a fantastic analogy about the Samosa and how Indian tariffs, uh, mobile services. You know uh, continue to be cheaper than a samosa so uh, but now if you look at it because of the way uh, the operators have uh, the industry shaping up you see that tar- uh, tariffs are going up Etel has always taken the lead in this in this scenario and they have uh popped up tariffs in some of the circles so while that is good for the operators in terms of uh, you know higher hierarchies and better margins uh, but has does this also then make the services unaffordable for Uh, you know, the lowest sections of the economy, because, you know, given that we are in India, we have to take care of uh, everybody here. I mean, and and telecom is considered to be an essential service, like power, like water. So how do we balance this out? Uh, Thomas, it is really a chicken and egg story. And someone has to
1: pay for what it takes to put together a competing world-class network. Given the huge disparity of income in India, raising prices beyond a particular point, will make it unaffordable for people at the bottom of the pyramid is a well-known factor um, to everybody. While I say that the population that really consumes digital services in India is less than 100 million people. When you compare Mm -hmm. it with China, they have probably seven or eight times this number. And this number comes out of how many people uh, really truly transact on uh, digital commerce um, services in this country. So as long as the base packages are inclusive, we may be able to manage the short term. However, eventually everyone will consume more data. And amongst all the digital and telecom players, uh, every household uh, will have to uh, raise their expenditure or raise their expenditure on telecom and allied services. The, uh, the catch here is that um, you know, some bit of data requirements are undergoing a sea change because of the form factor changes. You know, what was right. standard definition earlier is high definition. Now, what is high definition is 4K, 8K. Now the consumer is not willing to pay a 20X, 25X price for the same content that he consumes. But that's a right. change that is happening outside, right? So I think, uh, yes, uh, it, is, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, if you want good service, somebody has to pay for it. And who pays for it? Either the operator subsidizes or the government subsidizes or the consumer pays for it so i guess where we are and when i see the business case in even 30 dollar arpu markets 20 dollar arpu markets even in those markets the third operator and the fourth operator struggle so can you imagine in a country like india where we are uh, you know 2 dollars and you know wanting to rise to about 300 rupees uh, per customer per month i think that's a struggle but I, but my own take is to really offer a contemporary and world class network we'll have to go much beyond that. So I think initially we'll have to make sure that the big cities and the higher end customers subsidize for the ones who are, uh, you know,
0: wanting to consume it in lesser parts of the country. Let's talk about the strategy being adopted by the two strong players, Airtel and uh, Jio, when it comes to 5G services. So um, we know that Airtel did not acquire uh, 700 megahertz spectrum, whereas Jio went and acquired Airwaves in that, despite the frequency being very expensive. And for the listener's benefit, I just want to explain that in telecom, if you use lower frequency compared to a higher frequency, the operators are able to offer better quality of services and also there is cost benefits. So uh, Sanjay, I want to take your uh, views on Airtel's strategy here of avoiding entirely the 700 megahertz uh, from their portfolio. From a consumer's perspective, uh, let me not confuse anybody
1: with 700, 800, 900 uh, megahertz spectrum. All I need to communicate here is that if 80% of the data is going to be consumed indoors, then better coverage is provided by spectrum, which is less than 1 gigahertz. So 700, 800, 900, they all fall into that categorization. Now, whether Airtel goes in for 700 or 800 or consolidates 900, it's a matter of choice. And the given is that no matter what, if you are going to be competing for customer experience in the market, you will have to amass much more sub one gigahertz spectrum to just stay competitive. So right now, ATEL has 900, uh, Jio has 800, they've now got 700, which gives them a short-term edge, but they have a standalone network because You know, they don't have other technologies being supported on it. Eventually, ATEL has shut down 3G, will shut down 2G at a point in time as well. And therefore, all the 900 will migrate towards uh, 5G. And at least the capacity will migrate first. Coverage will probably migrate later. So all said and done, uh, yes, they need more spectrum. If they've given it a pass this time, will they be able to give a pass to 700 uh, for all times to come? I don't know. But the factor that deters everybody is, that the spectrum strategy is not really getting driven by consumer experience at the moment. It's getting driven by the economics. The 700 megahertz is so expensive right now that if you can postpone it, you will try to postpone it uh, to the extent possible because you don't want to incur cash. Uh, You have to make sure you're a listed company, uh, that your results don't get hampered, that your return is protected. And we all know that the jury is out on the 5G monetization in almost all parts of the world. So I think, given that they are they are they are playing it uh, based on economics and not so much on customer
0: experience to begin with. So what we are seeing right now there is this massive race to get into the cities, and ev- almost every day we are hit- getting news that you know uh, Airtel has rolled out in five more at Jio is two hundred and things like that. But on ground, if you look at it uh, as a consumer, I am not seeing any uh, major difference when I am using five G, other than maybe I am getting uh, slightly higher speeds what would it mean for a telco to start monetizing this? I mean, they're spending so much on uh, network rollout, acquiring spectrum. And if it's just about giving me higher speeds, how will they get me to spend more on on, on the services? Yes, this is a million dollar
1: question, uh, Thomas, and uh, 5G has three elements to it. It has the element of high speed. It has the element of low latency. And it has the uh, element of Internet of Things, which means if you have millions of devices, um, Internet of Things devices, which have to be connected in a concentrated geography, then 4G doesn't have the wherewithal to deal with it, but 5G can deal with it. Now, uh, the latter two, which is around low latency and Internet of Things, uh, people are still in many parts of the world still evolving. What is the use case that a consumer will pay for? Uh, you know, When will we come out uh, with applications and use cases for these two? Um, I think we are still going to wait for a little while. As far as higher speed is concerned, for some reason, the customer is not willing to pay for that. And it's not true for India. In most parts of the world, the customer is not willing to just pay for a higher speed. And you are absolutely right. That right now, I think every morning, uh, when you see somebody raising a hand and saying, I've covered this city, that city, I don't think the measure of the launch has been defined. What is the definition of that launch? There is no standard definition. So I could be putting up 10 sites in a city and say, I've launched the city, you know, or I could be plonking electronics on my 4G uh, ecosystem and say, now I have, you know, 5G, so many 5G sites that are there. The real definition, like I said, for 5G has to come from saying, what is my indoor penetration? And unfortunately, neither the regulator is asking that question, nor have we moved from outdoors to indoors on measurements around, uh, what could be a launch what could be a good experience uh, what could be a good transformation to 5g so i think those are missing links uh, that we we don't know so in absence of all these to just say i have launched
0: xyz city doesn't make a sense right right the other point that you raised is on the economies of spectrum and you know in terms of telecom regulation and policy making and you know we have seen how messy it could it had become you know, in a while, uh, during the you know, early 2000s, we had three, what I call, call as the battle of the telecoms. You know, started with CDMFI, then you had the 2G scam, and you know then the, the Reliance Jio uh, coming in in 2016. So uh, through all of this, we've seen so many litigations, uh, which right now at least we see some certainty on things like spectrum availability, uh, I know we talked about the sector uh, you know collapsing into just two players. Uh, but you know some things like you know pricing of spectrum, this is like been there since forever. I mean since at least I've started covering telecom. this has been a, a, a sort of a one demand or one need which the industry has been saying that if you're asking us to uh, you know, make India digital and if telecom is the basic ingredient for that uh, pro- making India digital, why can't you consider this not as a golden goose, which populating or or keep your exchequer happy, uh, but more of you know more of a of, of an enabler? So why why isn't the government talking about lower spectrum charges and lowering pricing? And are there any other focus area that you think uh, that the government and the TRA should look at uh, from here on?
1: Telecommunications uh, globally is a highly regulated space and industry, and uh, Uh, Operators across the globe have often seen it as a milch cow uh, and so have the licensors. But I think uh, in the current environment, uh, the government in India seems to be pretty convinced about the benefits of technology and telecom. They understand that this is the highway on which various digital services and digital India uh, will actually take shape for future. And they clearly understand it. But despite of this, I think there is legacy and um, I don't uh, claim to understand all the political nuances, but I do believe that uh, with a legacy and you know scams that have been associated or at least uh, have been in contention for so many years, it's probably very difficult for them also one fine day to come and chop the spectrum prices uh, to, to very low. One thing for sure they've done is that they have um, brought an end to the artificial scarcity of spectrum, which was happening during 3G time, which is why right. the 3G bids went very high. And actually nobody monetized uh, the 3G spectrum costs at all, because there was hardly anything great in that technology that would have yielded great results. I think that those spectrums after being reformed uh, would have uh, probably yielded better results.
0: Interesting. Um, so Sanjay, the Dhab- other... I think that as we speak, there's another sort of battle brewing between OTT and the telecom players. And this is not new. This, this debate and argument has been going on for several years now, where the telecom operators are saying that the OTT players are walking away with a large chunk of the revenue. Therefore, there has to be some sort of revenue share. Whereas the OTT players are saying that, you know, had it not been for us, uh, nobody would even use uh, telecom networks. So, what is the balance here? Uh, I mean, are the two sides taking extreme positions? Can't they be uh, sort of a middle ground here? Telecom provides the access and charges the customers for the same.
1: Most of them have not been able to win the war with OTT players and uh, really develop a supremacy on digital content and services. On the other hand, the OTT guys get all the customers. They drive all the traffic. Because the telecom guys essentially drive only two types of traffic, voice and SMS. You know, uh, all the other traffic really comes from OTT players in terms of data. And they also create the stickiness. If these digital services were not there, I don't know how sticky just voice and SMS can be for a a telecom operator. So I think given all this, it very much seems to me like a quid pro quo for now. You know, each party would say, no, I'm spending more. But the OTT pays uh, for um, if they pay for the revenue share, um, then uh, or the infrastructure that also I've heard. Then will the customers be spared uh, the access charges? I'm not too sure of that. But if customers is going to be customers are going to be paying access charges, and those guys are going to be paying the cost of infrastructure, then how will you balance out? And then what happens to the cost of acquiring a customer, creating the stickiness? The cost of developing the innovative services, because telecom operators have tried their hands almost on each one of those services, and have not really succeeded. We still watch Netflix. We still uh, use Google Maps. We still surf on Google. We still use, um, you know, Chrome and Safari. You know, so it's all yes. outside the amber. To me, I think each one is performing the role that they are best
0: at. Mm, interesting. Okay, so the other thing that is also being discussed uh, widely in the Indian telecom space is the use of open radio access networks uh, compared to, say, a proprietary network, which we've seen from Ericsson and players like Nokia. Uh, do you think, I mean, is this a reality or do you think it's just a hype? I mean, one of the uh, key players who first announced this was Jio and they said they will come up with their own uh, you know, radio access network. Uh, But we get to see uh, really any serious commercial deployment and even the 5G uh, rollout is happening on, uh, you know, proprietary networks. So uh, what is your sense of uh, where we are on this and whether this will actually play out?
1: Thomas, you know, uh, when we look at uh, uh, technology and a leap in technology, uh, we go back to some fundamentals. And the fundamentals are that the technology that we are looking at, is it cost effective? Is it scalable? Is it reliable? And can it perform to the levels that will keep our customers or at least be same as what we are offering today? Now, when you really look at Open RAN, and I've been watching Open RAN from Rakuten to many others across the globe, right? Um, yes. I think on this one as well, the jury is still out on all these four elements, you know, on cost, scalability, reliability, and performance. My own take is that Uh, this is a necessary leap in which a lot of experimentation will continue to happen. Many consortiums will come up. There are individual operators who will try and participate so that nobody is left behind really when and as and when this transformation happens. But are we very close to commercialization which can lead to a
0: scale? I don't think so. Great. Uh, Just a final uh, thoughts on uh, your assessment of the state of telecom do you think it's healthy is it weak or is it poor
1: you know telecom is a is a typical story of uh, the future is bright right and i believe right. in that by the way i'm sanguine i believe mm-hmm. that um, but it has its own challenges and it's very very capital intensive uh, it is a game uh, for deep pocketed and it is also a game with big hearts so i think uh, it is transforming you cannot compare one period with a previous period because the vectors have changed uh, you know moving from voice to data is a, is a big big leap 5g 6g onwards uh, will be a quantum jump on data consumption and uh, customer experience satisfaction uh, you know therefore uh, i think i would not compare periods i would say uh, it is still looking for uh, you know, those levers where it can monetize these uh, technologies in a much shorter time frame, because these are large investments they end up making. And uh, it is not that you made an investment like we did in 2G and then sit pretty for eight, 10 years. And the last three, four, five years, you could be actually generating tons and tons of cash. I think those right. are behind us. And lastly, what I said, uh, you know, it is surrounded by people who want to eat um, you know, a large portion of this pie, and fortunately or unfortunately, uh, the share gain has been in the favor of OTT uh, over the last mm. many years. They've actually right. you know, telecom used to keep about ninety-five percent of the revenues with themselves. I think now they don't mm. keep more than maybe two-thirds of the revenues with them. Balance gets distributed. So I think this equation has a potential to to further get uh, a little skewed. You know, if they if they don't safeguard, but you know they, they fortify their themselves by offering uh, access which is a world-class access which nobody else can do I'm, I'm sanguine about this industry that you know this industry will do a lot of good to the whole world and is very important for economic development of every nation so it's a very 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 important industry but to make money out of this industry is becoming increasingly diff- difficult because the customer is not willing to pay for the form factor changes. Uh, for consuming more and more more data and the customer uh, is not willing to pay for the effort that goes behind bringing the services from outdoors to indoors. Um, so I think, I think there are challenges, but I think this industry is here to stay for a very, very, very long time.
0: Thank you, Sanjay. You've beautifully summarized the way we have seen the telecom sector uh, moving the last 20 years and the upcoming challenges. Thank you for your time and for your great insights. It was lovely hearing you. Thank you. Thanks so much.